You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, everybody. It is Sarah, and I want to thank you so much for once again downloading this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. As you know, it is a podcast all about shedding our limiting labels and beliefs um, so that we can all shine our light into the world and live who we are supposed to be and be our best while we're doing it. I believe, without a doubt, we are each capable of more than we imagine. And that when we clarify what it is we are about and we align that with our values and our purpose, and we declare our intentions for good, we can create a powerful and positive change in the world that will ripple out far beyond our own lives. So. Let me just say, if you are someone who feels an undeniable pull to be a light in the world and leave a legacy for good, and you want to join other brilliant women and men in this quest, be sure to connect with us on um, either Facebook or actually the best place is through our website at sarahbox.com. So enough about that. Let's hop into our interview with today's guest, Angela Pearson. Now, Angela's interesting gal. We've been chatting before we started here, so I've learned a whole bunch more than what I'm going to share with you in her bio, and, and we'll get into that. But she grew up in um, North Carolina. She grew up poor and in a small town. And she says that most of the food she and her family ate came from the church or food banks. So for everybody in those two industries, know that you have touched Angela's life when she was a young girl. But she became a mom in 1996 with her first son, which is how she um, is now. She came to be convinced now that he had had a vaccine reaction that led him to be hospitalized. So she moved to upstate New York in 2000 while pregnant with her daughter, and she began her holistic journey. So we're going to talk about what that transition was like for her. But along the way, that journey... Um, she has become an author of an inspirational children's book called I Am Not Contagious, which is based on true events. Um, and it navigates the universal topic of her unvaccinated child and how society views him. And as an interesting side note, he did the audible or the audio version of that book himself. Um, so today, Angela is living at her purpose, and she's continuing to fight for medical freedom. We're going to talk about what that means, how that looks. Um, and she's actually one of those folks who goes against the narrative and is making a strong political statement for the unvaccinated community. And her book was one way that she did that. You know, typically, we don't get into politics on this podcast at all. But the thing that really struck me about Angela is she had some big odds to go up against in this work. And as one woman, um, it could have been easy for her to just say, 
it's too big for me. So we're going to find out um, more about that because today Angela currently works in the health and wellness industry and she's working remotely. So let's just dive in and I would like to welcome you, Angela. Thanks for being our guest on the No Labels, No Limits Hi. podcast. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Such a blessing. It is. And um, I, I, it's so interesting. I just think about the guests that come that they, they feel divinely identified. And you were one of those folks. Like I mentioned in the intro, typically I would have passed on it, even though it's a super interesting um, subject. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, I don't know that this fits. But then when I talk to you, I'm going, well, this is no mistake. You know, this mm-hmm. is perfect. So, but I do want to ask you the question. I like to ask others as we start the podcast. And, you know, thinking about the journey you're on and what you, your ups and downs and all that you're doing, is there something that you do every day that keeps you motivated and keeps you focused on the direction that you're going in your life? Now, more than ever. Um because I haven't been consistent with my faith. But since all of this has happened, um, I've started to build a relationship more um, with God, and and I'm doing that on the daily. And so when I wake up in the morning, you know, my son, he, he still sleeps with me. So, you know, he's a, he's a co-sleeper and uh, I'm okay with that because he's eight years old. And if, if I can keep that as long as I can, I, I'm going to take advantage of that. Um, but when he and I, we wake up, you know, we start reading like Bible script, scriptures, um, things that motivate us. And sometimes we'll Google something that, um, Maybe we want to learn more about something that is going to um, get our day started in the right direction, whether that be, um, you know, Bible scriptures about family or Bible scriptures about um, how to be a better woman or about how to be a better a better person um, or about how to love our neighbor better. Whatever it may be, we just we Google it and we'll sit there and we'll read it. And then we get up and, um, you know, I fix our vitamin shakes and um, make our breakfast. And while I'm making our breakfast, um, we listen to um, gospel songs to kind of get us in that mood. And a lot of times it's bluegrass gospel music because you don't really hear that um, anymore. But I find that when I do that and I find that when when he does that, it just kind of sets the tone for our day. and when we don't do that, I feel like um, our day could be better. You know what I mean? Um, so we definitely try to do that almost every single morning when we when we when we wake up. And it sets the tone. It does. And, and it sounds like if the days that you don't do that, at the end of the day, you can tell the difference. Between Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that's when um, you you pray harder you know, um, at night. And, and I think what I'm learning to do too, because, you know, before it's, it's like, oh, you just pray um, at night and you don't do that during the day. But I think that we miss those opportunities because um, I think during the day is probably when you need those prayers the most. Um, but it's easier for us at night because that's when we're, we're, we're unwinding and we're, um, you know, just kind of trying to 
come to peace with ourselves and, and who we are. So, I mean, there's no wrong way of praying or there's no wrong time. Um, but I'm, I'm also learning to try to do that more as opposed to just at night. Have you noticed a difference in your days since you've been doing that? Yeah, because I find that when I first started this journey, um, I'm so passionate because I've been, I've been a holistic enthusiast for 20 plus years. Um, and I found that sometimes before I would do and, 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 and read Bible scriptures and started building my relationship with, with God, um, that the way I was approaching it would sometimes be negative and it would sometimes rub people the wrong way. Um, and even my friends, it would even rub some of my friends the wrong way where I've had one of my friends reach out to me and tell me that the way I was approaching or the way I was educating people about um, a holistic approach to vaccinations, um, she felt like um, I was undermining her and I was being um, somewhat disrespectful. And I was like, oh my goodness. Um, and I think this is helping me like receive information a lot better, really listening to what others are telling me and being more respectful and being more conscious about what I say and how I say it, you know, because sometimes it's not about, you know, what we say, but it's how we say something because my heart can be in the right place. But if I'm not saying it in the manner um, to where someone else can receive it in a respectful way, like in the situation with my friend, she felt disrespected and I would never, ever want to disrespect anyone. Um, so I, I want to respect everyone's beliefs. So it's definitely helping me. Um, you know, be more conscientious of um, the things that I, or how I say things. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I appreciate your reflections and your lessons learned in that. So let's start, let's go back to when you had your son and bring us up to the journey that got you, were you already on a holistic track before you had your son? My first son, um, I was not. Um, I was I was very young, and um, I did grow up in a in a, in a poor family where um, we grew up on processed foods. Everything came from a can, everything came from a box. Nothing was ever fresh. <laughs> um, spinach was right out of the can. So if you remember Popeye. You know, Popeye the Sailor Man. I mean, that was a spinach that we ate, and it was different because you eat that kind of spinach, and then you know you get older and you find yourself in a restaurant, and you're like, "Whoa, wait a second! This is what spinach actually looks like." Um, because I I've never even eaten at a restaurant until I was, um, you know, about 15 years old, because you know we were so poor. There was five of us. My parents had five children. So I have two older sisters and two younger brothers. And um, so it was very difficult for them to take all of us out to eat. So we just never went. And there were times where um, my dad was legally, my dad was legally blind. And, um, but he would walk to work 10 miles to work and 10 miles home every single day. And he would cook for us at night and he would wake us up in the morning for school and cook our breakfast. And there were times where we didn't have heat. We didn't have electricity sometimes. 
And thankfully, we lived in North Carolina then and not New York, um, because in the winter, it still got cold, but not as brutal as it does here. Um, but we would heat um, the house with a kerosene heater, and um, he would warm our bath water on a kerosene heater, and we would have to share the bath water. So if you can imagine, and he didn't like to do it more than once, so he would just heat the water at once, and we all had to share the bath water. And nobody liked to be last. <laughs> Understandable. Um, so, you know, after I had my son and, um, you know, in this first year of life, he had a reaction to a vaccine and he was hospitalized for three days. Um, that was an indication that kind of started um me wanting to ask more questions, me wanting to know more about what exactly was happening um, because I wasn't getting the answers that I was hoping for. And so um, I was able, I, my daughter's father, um, his family, they were um, uh, very big in, in holistic alternatives. So with that being said, I was able to find some resources and really start diving into the ingredients in vaccines. Um, and I actually got a vaccine insert um, because that's what I was told to do. Ask for the vaccine inserts and, and start there and start looking up those um, hard to pronounce words or the abbreviated words like MRC-5 and WI-38 and H-E-K-293 and all these other things. It's like, whoa, wait a second. What, what are these things? And same with our food. You know, you, we just trust blindly that everything that's in a grocery store is healthy for us because it's FDA approved. But then when we research the ingredients, we're like, wait a second. Um, yellow five, like, why are you putting these artificial dyes in these? these flavors in our food. And then you look at European studies and you see that yellow five um, was actually banned in Europe and they still put that in our foods today. And then we're giving that to our children in, in the forms of lollipops and cakes. And, and um, so I, now I, I made this a part of my curriculum when I teach my son now, because now that I homeschool, uh, this is definitely a big part of his curriculum. Um, I teach him to be a critical thinker and to start reaching or start researching. So now when we go to the grocery store, he knows to turn over and he's like, well, um, I don't really see anything bad in here. <laughs> um, and so if we don't know what something is, just like yesterday, we were looking for organic hot chocolate. And the, the most natural one that we found, it had um, alkali in it. And I'm like, well, alkali, like, is that similar to alkaline? Like, what is alkali? So I said, all right, well, thank goodness that, you know, we do have World Wide Web because we get to research everything now. And I got out my phone and he and I, we looked up what is alkali and we were like, whoa, it's a stabilizer. And it says that it's toxic to the GI tract. Um, but in small doses or small quantities, the FDA approves it to be put in our food. So, um, 
So yeah, so I'm I'm kind of right there with um, with my son and with my two older children too because um, they they research the same and my daughter she's now a mother, so she's definitely um, taken this a lot more serious um, than she did before. So talk about your journey. I mean, you know, you went to the legislature in New York. Um, and you've been very active politically around vaccinations, and you wrote this book. So talk to us about the book, you know, why you wrote it, what the message is. You know, you specifically mentioned how the society views your son. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that, because I don't know what that's like, and I'm not sure all of our listeners know, or they might not, they might have a reaction, but not recognize it as such. So can you share with us some of that? Yeah, so um, back in 2019, uh, my son was banned from attending all public and private schools. And um, so I left my corporate job to homeschool him. And he had so many questions. Um, he knew that he wasn't going to be able to finish out the first grade. Um, I made him aware of that. But I left it up to him if he wanted to go to school or not. And I told him, I said, if you go to school, you will only have 14 days that you will be able to attend school. And he said, well, yeah, I really want to go to school. So I said, okay, you know, as, as long as you're okay with only going 14 days. Um, because after the 14th day, if your child wasn't partially vaccinated or vaccinated, they would no longer be able to attend school. Um, so, you know, he had so many questions. And these questions were about why can his friends go to school and not him? And at the time, my son was taking gymnastics. And he didn't understand how come he can still take gymnastics, but he couldn't go to school. So he's around all these other children touching everything that they're touching, standing in line, communicating, and um, being active and playing with them and in gymnastics, but he couldn't go to school with them. And then he had a question about how come he can go to the park and play, swing, slide, and be with his friends and, and make new friends there, but he couldn't go to school. Um, you know, and then there were some times where, you know, CNN might be on. It's not a news channel that I typically watch, um, but from time to time, my son's father will, will turn it on and watch it. And um, on this specific, you know, evening, they were talking about if do parents have the right not to vaccinate. And that was an actual headline. So I put that headline in the book. Um, because that was something that kind of Grayson was standing in front of the TV and he was just kind of like, I, I don't understand. And bullying comes in all forms. And we tend to think of bullying the big kid at the playground or the big kid at the school picking on the little kid. And, you know, since then, cyberbullying has come to surface and we now know about cyberbullying. Um, but there's, this thing where the government bullies us as well. Um, and we have society who will bully people because maybe they don't understand. So they, they, they become afraid. They don't, um, they're afraid of the unknown. 
So I think that if we develop uh, more compassion on issues not fully understood, that we may not agree with one another, but at least if we can come to an agreement and say, I understand that um, where you stand on your beliefs with vaccinations or vice versa, I understand where where you stand with maybe vaccinating your children. And that's where informed consent comes in. And I think that if you're fully informed, um, then you can make an educated decision on what's best for you and your family. And I think that's where I am right now is I want to make sure that I'm that I'm helping people find the education that they need in order to be fully informed. And we tend to miss that sometimes because we think that if we go to our doctor and our doctor tells us that something is safe and effective, that that is what informed decision is. That is not what informed decision means. Um, informed decision is is really understanding the risks that are involved in any type of medical procedure and understanding what the ingredients are. And if they go against your beliefs, and if something is cultured in aborted fetal tissue, that is something that goes against my beliefs. I don't want to inject something, um, you know, someone else's DNA into my body or into my children's body. Um, to me, that's that's on the sacrificial side, even though they say that these were voluntary, voluntary abortions. Um, to me, I just, I'm pro-life as well. Um, and, and that's, that's another topic, but that, that is another reason why I stand where I stand with, um, vaccinations, especially viral vaccines. Let me ask you, um, for your two oldest kids, did you vaccinate those kids? My oldest son was partially vaccinated. And when he was hospitalized for three days is when I stopped. Okay. Because that's when I became afraid. Um, I, I, if he was going to be hospitalized for three days and if I, if I was to continue his vaccine schedule, what would have happened to him? You know, those three days could have turned into two weeks or those two weeks could have turned into, um, an early death that I wasn't willing to gamble. My daughter has never been vaccinated and she's 20 years old. And um, like I said, and she also has a daughter and her daughter's never been vaccinated. And my son, Grayson, who's eight years old, he's never been vaccinated. Um, and both my children, both my daughter and my, my youngest son are perfectly healthy. Um, they don't have any known medical issues. They haven't been diagnosed with anything. My older son, however, um, his medical issues started when he was in elementary school. Um, he started playing sports, and with sports, you have to have um, a physical. And that physical, each every time his physical, um, that annual physical would come, um, his urinalysis uh, would come back um, negative or positive, rather. Um, and he would have hematuria and proteinuria. And that just means uh, proteinuria is having protein, ex excess protein in the urine. And then hematuria um, is having blood in the urine. So from there, he started seeing a pediatric nephrologist. And um, 
he had to get a note or a letter from his doctor stating that this was normal. This was normal for him so that he can continue to play sports. Um, but they started running tests um, and they would just, you know, keep doing normal blood work for him, but they couldn't, they, they wouldn't do a biopsy because his numbers weren't outrageous enough. And a biopsy is, is pretty, um, intense. It's pretty, um, you know, invasive, isn't it? It's very invasive. Yeah. And, um, was in 2016, he was diagnosed with systemic lupus. So that's your oldest son. That is my oldest son. Okay. And so how is he, no, I know this is a little shift, but I'm curious, how is he handling his lupus? Because that's um, pretty heavy duty. It is. And I'm very blessed because, you know, my, my father, well, first my father, he passed away in, in 2008. He had systemic lupus and he actually had um, a kidney biopsy. And that's when they determined that he had lupus nephritis. So my son was aware of the condition. He he understands it and he knows what to expect. He also knows um, that it's all about how you think, you know, and it, and if I think a lot of times we can make ourselves sick and a lot of times when we have a disease, we can make ourselves even more sick because we dwell on the issue as opposed to really being more positive and, and really um just living your life the way you would normally live it. And I remember when he was in third stage renal failure, his, his nephrologist called me when my son was in college because my older son was um, a collegiate wrestler. And his nephrologist called me and said, he's in third stage renal failure. You need to go get him. So he was like an hour and 40 minutes from where I live. So I called my son. I said, Hey, I'm just going to come pick you up. We're just going to go check your numbers. Um, you know, they kind of think that you're at third stage renal failure, but they're just going to check your number and, and just kind of see where you are. Brought him back to Syracuse hospital and his numbers were normal. It was just the weirdest thing. Um, but his nephrologist told him that he didn't want him playing any sports including wrestling. So my son had to stop wrestling. So he did that for a whole year. He didn't work out. He listened to his, you know, his doctor and did what he was supposed to do because they were still trying to figure out at this time what was wrong with him because at this time he wasn't diagnosed with systemic lupus. And my son was already hospitalized two times um, for rhabdomyolysis, uh, which is where the protein attacks um, the muscle. Um, and then he has to be um, intravenously hooked up to an IV and he has to get fluid and so he can get that all flushed out. So he listened to the doctor and didn't do anything for an entire year. But after that, he said, mom, I can't do this anymore. There's, listen, he goes, if there's something wrong with me, which I know there, there might be something wrong with me because I wouldn't be going through all this stuff. He said, but I'm going to live my life and I am not going to give this a second thought. He, um, and then after that, he signed up for, um, rugby, <laughs> like, and he ended up getting a concussion, um, the first week that he played. Um, but he, right now, I mean, now he's, he'll be, he'll be 25 in September and, you know, he lives in Buffalo. I'm in the Syracuse area. 
And, you know, he has a kinesiology degree. Um, but then he was laid off from his job during the whole COVID thing. But this gave him the push that he needed to start his business because he's been wanting to start his own landscaping company. Um, but he didn't know when and he didn't know how. And when he was laid off, this just kind of motivated him to start. And he dove in headfirst. And he's right now he's doing extremely well. And health wise, he's doing extremely well. And he's living his life. He works out. He eats healthy. Um, probably not as healthy as I would like for him to eat. But given the circumstances, he eats healthy. Um, but yeah, I couldn't be more proud just because of his mindset. It's yeah. your mindset is everything. You know, if you think you're sick or if you think you're not going to get better, you're not. Um, your mind can heal you. It can um, do amazing things if people just allow it, you know. So you said your son got his degree in kinesiology. Mm -hmm. So you got your degree later in life also, right? You didn't get to do it right out of school? I didn't. So, um, you know, I, I was going through uh, a lot of things um, growing up. And it my mindset um, wasn't where it should have been. And I allowed um, the things that happened to me um, prevent me from finishing school. So I dropped out of school. And um, then later I got pregnant. And I had my older son when I was just 17 years old. And, um, you know, I, I, I remember swinging on the, the tree swing in front of my dad's house, you know, or it was a trailer, but I remember swinging on it. And at that time, I felt like nobody loved me. I felt like I, I didn't really have anybody. And I just remember like swinging on that tree swing in front of my dad's trailer and just talking to God and just asking him like, please just send me someone that'll love me as much as I love them. And now I'm not saying like, this is why I got pregnant, but is, is this a, a, a consequential um, accident? I don't know. But um, I did. I wasn't, was I ready to be a mother? I wasn't. I was just 17 years old. I've never even changed a, a pamper ever in my life. <laughs> um, but, you know, looking at that situation, I was just like, wow, like when I was in labor and I had my son, I just remember looking at him and I was just like, oh, this is what love is. You know, I, and at that moment, it, I was allowing my thoughts um, intervene and to make um, something out of nothing back then. Uh, because when you're young and you're a teenager, you're, you're, horm you're hormonal, you tend to do that to yourself and you tend to play victim. And, you know, regardless of what you go through in life, you know, we tend to kind of say, poor me. Um, but that's normal. That's, that's just what we do. We're humans. Well, and young people too. I mean, I to your point, Angela. You know, when you're 17, you don't have a lot of years of life mm -hmm. yet, right? No matter what's happened to you, you may have a lot of life experience for good or ill. 
but you don't have enough. I think about it, it's like time on the clock that says exactly. I've been through worse. I can make it through this or this isn't all there is. I mean, mm -hmm. we just don't have those perspectives yet. And it's a tough, you know, when people say, oh, I'd love to be a young again. I'm thinking, yeah, not younger than 30. I'm telling you what, that yeah, teenagers, so right. teenagers, no joke. It's tough stuff. You know, it is. I think we, um, we tend to be too hard on ourselves when we're teenagers. Um, there's a lot that happens at school um, because there is a lot of bullying that takes place in in school. Children can be brutal. They can be mean. And that goes back because, you know, you start thinking about how you were when you were a teenager and you look at what's happening today with 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds being allowed to make medical decisions in regards to getting a COVID injection. And I remember just in where I was in my own mind, in my own headspace back then, that there is no way that I was ready for any type of, to make that type of um, decision that could possibly um, alter my life. Um, so any medical decisions I was definitely not capable of, but I did get my son. Um, I, I, I was able to feel in that moment what I thought was unconditional love. And I know things happen for a reason. And um, that's when I, I started going back to church because I've been, you know, on this roller coaster, you know, with my relationship with God, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Um, and then we moved to North Carolina. We stopped going to church. When my parents split, I started going back to church. And then I stopped going to church. And then I had my son and I started going back to church. And I had him dedicated back to God. But then I did something that was probably one of, I regret you, you, you know, when people ask this question, like, what is the one thing that you regret? Or what is the one thing that you wish that you can go back and change? And, you know, six months or a year ago, my answer to that question would have been more self-centered. It would have been more for selfish reasons. But today, it is my biggest regret is my inconsistency with my faith not being consistent with my faith and my relationship with God, because had I been consistent with my faith, it wouldn't have led me down these other paths, all these other dark paths, and therefore I would have no regret. And I, I look at my son and I see this, this, just this beautiful, amazing thing that happened to me. Um, but I failed God because I didn't teach my son the word of God. And I promised God, when I dedicated my son back to him, I promised him that I would teach him the word of God, and I didn't. So I, I remember like, you know, just going through this in, in the past six months, and um, I'm gonna get like emotional. <laughs> but I, I just remember, um, you know, just looking back, and I, I, I texted my son, and I texted him and I said, hey, because I wanted to make sure I can get all my words out. So I knew if I called him, he might stop me or I might get choked up. So I messaged him in a text message and I, and I told him that I was 
building my relationship back with God. And I asked him for his forgiveness. And I asked him to, you know, I apologized to him for not, you know, living out my promise and teaching him the word of God. Because how my son feels about, you know, God and Jesus is my fault because that's how I raised him. And so now I'm backpedaling and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, now I'm trying to fix it. So I think that. Let me just say this about that. I can't help. First of all, you didn't, that was such a brave thing to do, to reach out Mm -hmm. to your son. Um, And you may not have done anything. I mean, you may have given him a chance to compare. And he gets to choose and he gets to look at you and how you live your life. You are how you show up. Angela is how you teach him. Right. So you show up in one way and that's Mm -hmm. telling him who you are today and how you're walking in your own faith. And um, so, as you mentioned, sometimes we can be hard on ourselves as teenagers. I'm not sure that goes away, you know, so. But I think that was a very brave and sincere and honest thing that you did to text him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I was thankful too that he responded um, very well to it. So. Now you have uh, a new path to go with him. I do. So this is, you know, it's, it's funny because when you go through something in life and you can, you can either, you know, be smothered and not allow growth and not allow light to come in and to show you a new way, you, you have the option to choose. And um, I'm very grateful and I'm very blessed that I'm going through everything I've gone through. And, and even with Grayson, um, I've had someone ask me, if Grayson was able to go to school, would you allow him to go back to school? And the answer is no, I wouldn't. You know, um, but before, had you asked me, you know, seven or eight months ago, my answer would have been different. I was trying to get a medical exemption so that he could go to school. But now with how the education system is going um, and, you know, it's it's uh, it's very negative um, and you know, the word of God has been taken out of the equation um, to not insult any anyone or any one, any other one person. Or I, I just feel like for me, um, homeschooling is, is the best for me and my family. And I would not send him back to school, even if I left New York, <laughs> even if I left New York. Um, yeah, I want to I want to keep him as innocent as possible as long as possible. That's admirable. <laughs> admirable and um, a challenge. So, but what have been people's reaction to your book, Angela? And, you know, what is, what were you hoping to achieve through the book? And then what reactions have you gotten? So when I, I remember when I used to try to explain this um, before I started, you know, building my relationship with God again, my delivery wasn't the best, so people would respond negatively. They didn't understand the purpose. Um, but I, when my son 
would explain how this would make him feel, their perception shifted. I found that they were more empathetic. Um, and I, that's when I knew that I was doing something amazing. Um, because this was, this was by accident. I didn't, you know, I, when I, when I left my career, um, in my mind, I just knew that I had my 401k, I had made some investments, um, but time was ticking. How much time do I have left? I need to start making money. You can't live without money. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I got to do something. So real estate was always been um, fascinating to me and something that I've always wanted to get into. So I went to Miami, Florida and to this real estate um, three-day boot camp event. And something just wasn't sitting right with me. It wasn't, something just didn't feel right. And so um, on the plane ride home, I had like this epiphany. And it was an amazing feeling. It was like, I, I didn't have a voice when I was growing up. Um, we grew up very, very strict. So it was like kids were seen and not heard. And adults were always right. Even if they were wrong, they're right. And you say, yes, ma'am. You say, no, ma'am. And you say, yes, sir. And you say, no, sir. No matter what. And we we tend to take things from our um, the way our moms and our dads parented us. And then we tend to like leave them where they were, because we don't want to bring them over to where we are. You know, it's called breaking the cycle. So I broke some of those cycles. And that was one of the things that I had promised myself, that I would always make sure that my kids had a voice. And I would always make sure that no matter what, that I would be there to help amplify it. So when I had this epiphany on the airplane, it was then that said, you need to be his voice. It's not about the money. This is your chance to be his voice and to amplify his story. So I grabbed my pen and I grabbed a notepad and I wrote the book on the plane ride home. I was in between two men <laughs> and I just grabbed it and I just started writing. And I remember getting off the plane and I was walking through the airport. My head was held high and I was so happy. And I, I was just like, I can't wait to go home and tell Grayson, um, what I just did and what my thoughts were, but I didn't want to be too excited because I didn't want to, you know, influence um, his reaction. I wanted to get like a true reaction. That was very important for me. So I said, you know, I, I, mommy, mommy thinks she wants to write a book about your story. I said, are you okay with that? He was like, yeah. <laughs> so I read it to him. And um, of course he had made some changes. Um, because he said that I needed to do this, I needed to say this, um, even in the illustrations, he wanted some of the illustrations to be kind of funny, so he wanted me to make sure the illustration was like this and not like that, so I was like, perfect. Um, and then when I got my author's copy, um, which is a hard copy, and um, I gave it to him to read, and now I wrote this book before COVID. I wrote this book in 2019. COVID hit March of 2020. So everything was shut everything shut down and then so a whole year went by. So then I finally get my my author's copy. 
Now, my son is obviously a year older, so his taste, everything about him changes. What he thought he liked then, he no longer likes now. Welcome to editing. Right? <laughs> and so when I gave him the author's copy, he read it, and he read it, and he flipped through the pages, and he's like, hmm. And I'm like, what, what is hmm? And he's like, it's kind of boring. And I was like, it's boring. I was like, oh no. I was like, all right, um, how can we fix this? And um, he really focused on the last three pages where he's writing a letter to Governor Andrew Cuomo. So he really wanted me to hone in on that. And he's a, he's, he loves Cat and Hat. He loves like those rhyming. It's so fun to read for him. And um, so with some of his suggestions, I went to bed that night and at two, I think it was like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, I woke up, couldn't sleep, had all these ideas just kind of came through my head and I grabbed my cell phone and I went to my notes and I rewrote those last three pages. So then I couldn't sleep after that. So I got up. And then, I, again, I got excited, like I did in the airport, couldn't wait for Grayson to wake up so I can share this with him. But again, I had to make sure that I wasn't overly excited because I didn't want to influence him. I really wanted his honest opinion that meant a lot and means a lot to me. So um, he woke up and I said, okay, um, I want you to read this. I just read what mommy wrote. I, I rewrote the last three pages like you asked. And he read it 12 times. 12 times and he was he kept just doing it over and over again he got in the groove of saying it because it's rhyming um and it was everything that all the questions that he had about the park and the gymnastics and uh, about playing with his friends at the park and how this makes no sense and um because that's what he always used to say to me this makes no sense and um, so I made like this whole thing. This makes no sense. Not one little bit. This makes no sense. I can't understand. You know, so um, I, I, um, I edited it and I sent it to my team and um, I, I had them redo it all. And it came out great and he loves it. And um, so now he made that audio for the book as well, which again, I made part of his curriculum because I really wanted him to... Um, you know, the thing is, with this whole book, this has been not just my therapy, but this has been therapy and, and just therapeutic for my son. You know, like before he was really sad because he just couldn't be with his friends and he didn't understand why. But this book gave him hope. It gave him um, the ability to understand that not everybody is going to believe the way we believe. And it's okay. You know, um, so regardless of where this book takes us, this book has already been um, just an amazing part of like where we like just, you know what I mean? I just, uh, just do you understand what I'm saying? Well, if I'm getting it's like it's already been an amazing part of your own journey and your own transformation. And yeah. it's hard to know what's going to follow, right? Like you didn't know when you were coming back from Miami, um, you know, you go there for real estate boot camp and you come home having written a book in a young person's voice. So 
Could you have known that when you boarded the flight to Miami? No. So who knows where this will take you, what the next evolution mm -hmm. will be, what these opportunities for Grayson and you to build something together will evolve into. Who knows? You don't know. Um, but had mm -hmm. you not done that, he might have still been feeling um, sad and all the other feelings that go on, right? You may have felt like frustrated, you know, and here's right. this, now the situation is worse. So I think um, we don't know. We just have to take the next right step. And to your credit, you followed your heart. You know, you when you got an idea, you went with it. You didn't sit there and talk yourself out of it. Like, well, that's great. Why would I do that? Oh, that's great. How's that going to help? Right. You went with it. So I think sometimes we get in our own way by either needing it to be perfect or needing to know how it's going to end up instead of just going, let's just do this and we'll figure right. it out. So that sounds like you've been doing that for many years, raising your kids and specific, even more intently now with Grayson. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, I've learned to validate my son's feelings. Um, and not just say everything's going to be okay. So I think being able to validate his feelings and, and to give him permission to feel, give him permission to, um, to, to have these feelings and to talk about it and to use his voice in a way that's not only therapeutic to him, but who's going to help children like Grayson who come from holistic homes or just even children because this this book is for every child because Grayson and I went on a walk um it was a few months ago and um I remember um we were walking I went to school with Grayson and um, I was in the same classroom with him. So when Grayson was no longer, when he had to say goodbye to his friends, I was there and we were all kind of sad about it. And I was like, oh, really? I was like, oh, that was so heartfelt, you know? So a lot of children who don't come from holistic homes, who had these children who were ripped out of the school system, they too have questions. They want to know what happened. So who better to hear it from than someone of their own age, someone who's actually going through it, not under my influence, not from my perspective, but from, at the time, a six-year-old perspective. Um, but it's very positive, and um, it doesn't impose any one belief. Um, so and I, and I think that was very important for me to make sure that people understood that no matter if you vaccinate or you don't vaccinate, this book is about unity. This book is just about coming together and just accepting um, one another's beliefs, even if we don't agree, um, but at least having some compassion on the issue for the sake of our children. And for the sake um, of great, us all, Angela, for the sake for the of sake, us all. Yeah. Hey, so, you know, tell me and our listeners, for folks who want to stay connected with you, learn more about what you're doing, how you connect with them, 
what is the best way for so, folks to um, reach out? I am on Facebook and um, they can just Google my art, go to Facebook and search my name, Angela Pearson, and then I'll pop up. And um, I'm also doing a, a free book giveaway um, where I'm just asking um, for the help of the cost of the book and for shipping. I don't make anything off of it, but this is just so every child can can get the opportunity to to read Grayson's story um, and, and to help them understand. And um, also they will get free access to um, our to a member area where they will be able to um, see a video of Grayson making the audio for the book. They will also get a Freedom Warrior training video and a Crusaders Tactic workbook that teaches them their basic human rights. It's just an introductory to their basic human rights, things that aren't typically taught in school, but is on a very positive note, but it's something that parents and children can do together. And then they can use that information to answer the, um, the, cro the crossword puzzle in the back of the book. And that's all free. That comes with the free book. So that I, all I need to do is connect with you on Facebook and ask for that. Or they can go to, um, and they'll get a free coloring book as well. Oh, um, all for free. And they can go to AngelaPearson.com forward slash book. Okay, so we'll make sure that we have that in the show notes. So anybody listening, just go to the show notes and the hyperlinks will be there for you. So you can go to her Facebook account, her webpage, and, and get more information from her. Mm -hmm. Angela, thanks so much for being a guest today. You've brought a lot of different perspectives in from how your older son dealt with and made a decision about how he was going to live his life from a very positive, engaged place instead of from fear and worry. Um, and now how your youngest son is navigating all these changes that at a young age that he's needing to face and how your daughter has grown up healthy and is now raising a child of her own. Mm -hmm. well, so thank, thank you. you. Thank you for giving me um, this opportunity to share um, our message with you and your listeners. And um, I'm looking forward to connecting with anyone who has questions or um, who just wants to connect. All right, everybody. So rate and review the podcast. Go to Angela. Mm -hmm. Check. Please go to her website and check it out. Um, She's got great free gifts to give. And I think if you have questions, it sounds to me like Angela's got a lot of answer, answers. So with that, I look forward to another seeing you on another episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast when we meet again next week. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.